Well, good morning, church. It is great to be with you. I'm so excited to get another um, one in our series, Love Everyone. It's going to be a good day today. You're going to be challenged today. I think you're going to leave today uh, with a sense of something you can do to make the world a little better and how God's Spirit might empower you to do it. Uh, but before I do that, i got to tell you the most wonderful story. I'm so excited. Uh, some of you may have noticed, some of you regular balcony dwellers are having to sit on the floor today. We welcome you to the floor. I know that's hard for you, but we're glad you're here with us today. Uh, some of you did manage to sneak up into half the balcony. You may have noticed we have speakers on the stage that are new. This is all part of the most wonderful, wonderful story. Um, so there's a tiny bit of bad news in the story, but it's mostly good news. So... Um, In 1992, 30 years ago, uh, we got new speakers for this room, and they were designed to last 20 years. Um, But you'll remember, 1992 is 30 years ago. Uh, So about eight years ago, uh, our audio team started saying, listen, these speakers are giving out. Parts are starting to break on them. They don't work as well as they used to. And then about four years ago, like they started saying it a lot. Like, no, seriously, these speakers are going to blow up on us any day. We were, they were doing everything they could to fix them. And then about a year ago, they said, that's it. The parts don't exist for these speakers. We can't buy, like, the next thing that blows up, they're done. They won't work again. So we did finally break down uh, and say, okay, we got to order new speakers. And they were supposed to arrive in April, uh, but then shipping delays, you probably read about it, um, they, 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 didn't, they didn't arrive. So the bad news is, finally, the predicted explosion of our speakers did happen last week during the third service. Uh, So in the middle of the sermon, they went out and they did not come back. They were gone. Um, So that's the bad news is they finally did. They lasted 10 years longer than they were supposed to, but they finally did give out last week. The good news is The new speakers arrive tomorrow. It's amazing. So we're only going to have one day. I know, it really is. It's so awesome. Um, So it does mean we're in a little bit of a disarray because the swap over that we'd planned for next week when we had a full crew in here to make it go fast, we actually had to start this week, uh, which is why we didn't finish it in a week and the balcony's half closed and all that. And we've got these speakers on the floor. But Really, it feels very providential after eight years of them telling me, seriously, Ethan, they could blow up any day now. They made it till one week before we get new speakers. So, a little disarray today, uh, but we should all be back together by next week. Um, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Um, All right. Love everyone. Love everyone. I am already so excited by the stories that I am hearing from this series. Um, You know, this is one of these series where we've really challenged you to go all in, right? We've said, hey, if you're not in a group, get in a group. And if you haven't, if you grab one of these devos and do the daily devotions, uh, get one of these books. You gotta get a book and you gotta get a book. And I've been saying it for three weeks and I'm gonna say it again today. If you don't have a book, stop by and get a book today. Don't wait till next week when you got five bucks on you. Just grab the book. If you can offset the printing costs, fine, but we would much rather you have the book than not. So get one of these books. And whenever I do that, I always feel a little timid, like, you know, is it really worth it to harass everybody to do the devos and get in a group? But I'll just tell you, already, uh, I ran into somebody uh, yesterday who, who they said, Ethan, my group is amazing. 
It was just the connection that I needed. Somebody called me Wednesday night. Ethan, I know you always say get in a group, get in a group, and I never do, but I finally went to that Wednesday night thing, and it was awful because they put me with all strangers, and I didn't know anybody. And then it was wonderful. They were such interesting people. Well, the bad news is the group of interesting people is already full. So if we put you in a group, it'll probably be boring people. I'm sorry. But, but theirs was interesting people. That's what they said. They said they were such interesting people. I can tell I'm going to find friends in my group. Uh, you know, I, I've been asking you to pick up one of these devos, and somebody texted me this week, and I, they said, hey, did we write these devos in-house? And I was so nervous. I was so nervous. Like, because if somebody asked that, like, is that they're about to tell me how awful it is? And they want to know who, you know? So I timidly write back, yes, we did write them. And they wrote back. They are excellent, excellent, excellent. Three excellents. That's what they said. So, hey, you might only think it's two excellents, but still, you should get one. Do the devos every day. I won't even apologize for later in this service. I'm going to challenge you again, like many hundreds of you did last week, to come up and write your commitment to love everyone on one of these boards that says who and how. And I'm not even going to apologize for that, as weird as it is, because somebody this week pulled me aside and they said, Ethan, I did it. I didn't know what they were talking about. You did what? The thing that I wrote down. I did it. I was like, oh, that's great. And they said, I almost quit. I don't think I would have done it if I hadn't written it down as a promise to God. And then we talked about it a little bit. And I actually, when they, when they said what they did, I actually knew what they were talking about because I had, during the week, prayed over the board. And I'd read, I'd read that one. I knew the one. They told a little story. And it would, it, I'd read, I'd prayed for that person. Uh, I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. So, yep, we are challenging you to go all in. And all those challenges are still stand. If you aren't in a group, get in a group. If you haven't picked up the Devo, get the Devo. Do the daily devotions. The study guides are in there. The challenges are in there. Be here every week. And the reason, without apology, I make these very practical, specific challenges, more than just showing up for church, but to actually get engaged, is because I want to live in a different world. And so do you. I want to live in a world where everyone is loved the way God intended, and where we are loving everyone the way God made us to love. And last week we figured out that for us to play our role in that process, we've got to know the answer to two simple questions. If you're going to play your role in the love everyone process, the, the challenge from God's word into our lives, you got to be able to answer two questions. You got to know who, and you got to know how. Who are you going to love? How are you going to do it? For who, we said, we said the who question is this. Who has God uniquely positioned you to love? You're in a situation where you can love people nobody else can. Who are those people? And for how, we ask this question. How has God uniquely gifted you to love? How do they need to experience love? How can you love in ways that nobody else could? Because of how God has gifted you and wired you. 
And as I looked at the board and prayed over the boards last week, I saw lots of who's that people had written down. And I'm like, you're right. I couldn't love those people the way you could love those people. I don't even know those people. I've got no relationship to those people, but you do. God has set you up to love. And for the rest of the series, we're just going to let the Bible guide us through these simple questions. Who do we need to love? How do we need to love them? Each week, we're going to focus on some part of the who. We'll be working on the who's your who question. And then once we've looked at how the Bible specifically calls us to to love our who, then we'll think about how. And the first who we're going to look at today is family. Within the broad call to love everyone, if you're asking who am I uniquely positioned to love, the place we're going to start is with your family. This is as part of the big command of God's word to love everyone. God tells each one of us to love our family. Now, I don't have a lot of time for this, but as an aside, let me just remind you, and I've preached on this before. If you want to think about this more, come find me. I, I can point you to a whole sermon on it. Uh, but as a reminder, uh, when the Bible talks about family, it's a little bit bigger than just our blood relatives, just what we might call the nuclear family or something like that. The Bible's vision for family is all those that are connected to us for life by blood or by promise. So the Bible has this slightly bigger vision of family. We think of Ruth and Naomi. They were family to each other, even though they weren't related. And we, 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 we have other biblical examples of that. So that we're, the who we're talking about today is your family. All those who are connected to you for life by blood or by commitment, by, by promise. And you might wonder, why start there? I mean, Jesus tells us to love our neighbors and love our enemies. Why don't we start there? And on the one hand, I suppose we could have started any of these places. But I do think there are some reasons to start with the thinking about our who by thinking about our families. There's a practical reason to start with your family. For a lot of us, your family is just there. They're they're around you. Like, if you're going to start by loving somebody, you might as well start with somebody nearby. And for a lot of you, that is your family. I told you uh, last week that I did this exercise with our middle schoolers at the the middle school fall retreat. And uh, I preached on who and how and who's your who and what's your how and all that. And and then afterwards, we, we broke up into small groups and we discussed it. And I just challenged in the groups to share who was their who, who was the one person they were going to try to love and how we're gonna, they're going to love them. And it was interesting. In my middle school group, and I didn't talk to all of them, but just the group, the group of kids I talked to, for every single one of them, their who was a member of their family. It was an older brother or a younger sister. It was their mom or their dad or a cousin or a grandma. Every single one of them. In fact, in that context, I had to challenge them to think of some who's that weren't family, to think about their classmates and teammates and people they knew in the community. They just naturally realized that the who that they were uniquely equipped to love included their family. Maybe that's why we start with family. Maybe, though, we start with family because the problem starts in our families. 
Even the, the, the story of God's word, uh, when, when we cut ourselves off from the love of God and that begins to have ripple effects into the love of our relationships, the first place it shows up is in the human family. Genesis chapter 4, Cain gets jealous of his brother Abel because Abel's sacrifice was accepted and his wasn't. And so Cain says to Abel, let's go to the field. And while they're in the field, Cain attacks his brother and kills him. And then the Lord comes to Cain and says, where's your brother? He lies, I don't know. And then he asks a question. Am I my brother's keeper? And just so you know, in case you don't know, the, the Bible's answer to that question is yes. Yeah, you totally are your brother's keeper. Yes, you completely should have been looking out for your brother. That should have been a relationship that was so filled up with love that each of you always knew you had your back forever. So maybe the reason we start with families is because the problem starts with families. And, um, and, and I know, I, I want to be tender here because I know what I'm about to say affects a lot of us, but I just, we just got to be, we got to be realistic, you know, that for a lot of us, some of the greatest pain in our lives is because of a family situation where there should have been love and there wasn't, you know? Maybe that's why we got to start with our families because we can observe in other people's families, in our own families, how a failure to love inside the family leaves scars, doesn't it? It leaves brokenness that gets passed from generation to generation. We see this, you know, you know we, we ask, you know, why don't they love their family? And they say, well, it's because they weren't loved by their family and they weren't loved by, the, you know, and this ripple effect of damage when there's a lack of love inside the family. We know, and, and we are. I just want to say, if this is your story, if you feel like you're still carrying scars because of, uh, of, 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 of a family situation where there should have been love and there wasn't, like if, if that's a scar you're carrying, you just got to know you're not alone, okay? A lot of us are carrying wounds like that, where we are the children who should have been loved by our parents and we weren't, Okay? That's why we got to start here is because there's a lot of pain here. Or maybe we are the parents whose children should love us and they don't. And there's a pain there, you know. Some of you know about families or you're part of a family where, where two siblings started to fight when they were teenagers and the fight just got worse in their 20s and now a couple decades later, the whole family is split apart. They can't even all eat Thanksgiving dinner together because... Somebody's mad at somebody, and maybe that's why we have to start here. Maybe because the damage that gets done when there isn't love inside of our families is just, it just spirals, and it tears, and it breaks. One reason we would start with this who, the who of our family, is because of the command of God. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. 
In, in Matthew 7, uh, Jesus sort of doubled downs on this command. You can go look at it. But he, Jesus says, listen, if you build cultural practices and religious practices that interrupt the love of the family, he's like, yeah, no, that's not good. You've got to quit that, you know. This is the command of God. And this command, the Bible observes, is actually attached to a promise. Ephesians 6, Paul is teaching about the love that needs to be in families. And he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I love this reminder that this command to, to maintain familial love, it has a promise attached to it. That you'll live in the land for a long time. And, and at some level, this promise of God is, is about the agency of God. He says, if you do this, I'll do this. But mostly this promise is, is God's sovereign observation of reality. When there is love within families, there is a stability and a peace and a longevity to the family and the town and the culture and the nation. But when there is not, when our families splinter, well, soon so do our communities and our culture and our nation. Honor your father and mother so you'll live long in the land. You'll be well established, God says. Paul goes on. He says it's not just honoring your father and mother. It goes the other way too. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So maybe that's why we would start with the love of family because the command to love your family has attached to it a promise of blessing and stability. That would be a pretty good reason. But the main reason I want to suggest that in this love everyone challenge, we need to start with our families, is this very simple idea that some of you will have already thought of, but when it was first taught to me, it just hit me out of the blue like a hammer to my brain. And that's this. Your love for your family is irreplaceable. I can't remember the first time somebody explained this to me. It might have been in a sermon or maybe a Bible study. Maybe I was reading a book or a men's retreat or something like that. And I don't know why this simple truth so startled me and caught me off guard, but it did. I remember the way it was put to me. It was put to me something like this. Somebody said, Ethan, if your kids have a bad teacher in, in school, well, you can go in and get them to change classes. Or worst case, they'll get a new teacher next year, and hopefully the new one is better. They'll have lots of teachers in life. And they said to me, Ethan, if your wife gets a mean, they don't call them barbers for ladies. What do they call them for ladies? They're not barbers. Hairdresser? Hairdresser. If your wife gets a mean hairdresser, mean hairdresser, who, you know, makes fun of her and tells her her hair is ugly, you know. Well, she can just go get a new hairdresser, you know. They said to me, Ethan, if your parents have an angry boss or a mean landlord, well, it's not easy, but they can change jobs or move to a new condo, 
But your kids can never have a different dad. You're the one they're stuck with. And your wife has only got one husband. And your parents, well, they got two kids, so I am sort of the backup kid. But they don't have a bunch of them. They just got two of us, you know. See, some relationships, parents, I mean, teachers and coaches and hairdressers and bosses, some relationships, they do have a big impact on your life, right? A good boss is way better than a bad boss. But no matter how important these relationships are, they are fundamentally replaceable. You can always go get a different teacher and a different boss and a different landlord, and a different coach. If in, if in those relationships you don't get the love that you deserve, you can go find somebody new. But your family relationships are irreplaceable. I'm telling you, I know this idea is so simple. It shouldn't have hit me as hard as it did. But I just was struck. If I'm mean to my kids, then the only dad my kids have was mean to them. There's no backup for that. If I ignore my wife and I'm rude to her, then the only husband she has is ignoring her and rude to her. If I'm cruel and dismissive to my parents, well, I'm the only youngest son they got, you know? I got a cousin my relationship with him is, is not replaceable. Like, there's no backup for that. I'm, I'm the only one that has that relationship with him. So if we're asking the question, who has God uniquely positioned you to love? Who are you able to love in a way nobody else can, for whom there is no relational backup plan? Well, I don't know who your who is, Completely, but I know your who will include your family. Take a minute. I said last week these are less sermons and more spiritual exercises, so just take a minute and spend some time with those two questions and you think about your family. Who in your family are you uniquely positioned to love? Who can you love in a way nobody else can? We think we got those questions. Can we get those on the screen? Yeah, just spend some time with those. Just ask this question right now. Maybe you already know the answer. Maybe God's Spirit's already made it clear, but maybe you could just ask this question. Who in your family, by blood or by promise, who is it, you know? Maybe you want to think of a couple names. Don't you do that thing where you just tell me, oh, everyone, I'm, I'm called to love my whole family. No, you're not. Not this week. That's too many of them. You've got time. Two or three names. Love everyone. Two or three names. Do you know? Do you know who it is that you're uniquely positioned to love? I was in the middle of putting the finishing touches on this sermon yesterday, and I, at this point in the message, I just had to Stopped the sermon. I went and called my brother. He lives in Pennsylvania. I don't even know if he knows why I called him. But he's only got one brother. It's just me. 
Like, if, if I don't call him, his brother didn't call him. Like, there's no backup plan for that. He's got other friends. He's got coworkers. But there's only one obnoxious little brother, you know? He'd probably like a backup plan, but he didn't have one. Who is it? Who are your two or three? Maybe you're just, just before God's spirit, you just, you just say, I know, I know it, it's, you know, it's, it's my middle, middle child. It's my spouse. Uh, it's, I got a nephew. I got a nephew that I don't think anybody, I don't think there's anybody else who has the connection with him that I've got, you know. He's, he's gotten sideways with his parents, and he's on the outs with his brother, but, but, you know, crazy Uncle Bob could still take him out to dinner and maybe love him on him a little bit. You know, I've got an angle, right? You know, that's what we're talking about. You've got a unique relationship. Who is it? And then once you've got the who question, we know what question comes next. It's the how question. We just got two questions. Because we're not just going to love people specifically, knowing who we're loving, we're going to love them practically. So once you've answered your who question, you've got to answer your how question. I've already mentioned to you before that whenever the Bible stops to talk about love, it never does it in the kind of flowery, theoretical, hypothetical way that we talk about love in our culture. As this warm-hearted feeling toward the whole world, the Bible always gets practical. Colossians chapter 3 is, is one of the places where the Bible commands love between the family, husbands and wives and parents and children. You could go look there. But right before it talks about loving inside the family, it reminds us that love is practical. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you over all these virtues Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love, you see, is the motivation for our practical action, and it is the sum of our practical action. The one thing it never is, is a theoretical, warm, vague feeling of fuzziness toward people. That's the one thing biblical love never is. It always is either what motivates us to act, or it is the totality of our actions. It never is a feeling. So in this series, we talk about who, and then we talk about how. We said last week that if, if we, the how question, we, we thought maybe we would just list all the ways the Bible tells us to love, but that list just got too long. So we, we, we're going to talk about five categories of actions, and we showed last week that these five categories sort of summarize, they sort of summarize the kinds of loving action the Bible describes. We said we're going to talk about generosity how we are going to give to others what they need, encouragement, how we're going to build up and strengthen others. We talked about mercy, how we're going to forgive and show grace and pray for others. We talked about service, how we're going to help other people and care for other people. We talked about hospitality, how we're going to invite and welcome other people. Now, to put together the who and the how into a specific action, that's the challenge, right? That's what we're doing. How do we put together the who and the how? And for these purposes, I have a little exercise that I want to explain to you today. Now, I have a concern about this exercise. I think that when I share this exercise with you, many of you are going to think to yourself that this exercise is silly and unnecessary. 
That's my concern. I'm going to share this with you, and you're going to think this is silly and unnecessary. And here's the problem. Many of you are very good people. And for those of you who are good people, the exercise I'm about to share with you is completely silly and unnecessary because you're naturally good. I, however, am selfish, lazy, and pretty much a loser. And so I find exercises like these super useful. So for those of you that are basically good people, you don't need to worry about this next part. But for those of you like me who are sort of selfish, lazy losers, and that is some of you because I've met you, okay? For those of you, you'll want to pay attention to this. And we're going to use this all series long. You can find more info about this in the booklets, which I hope you'll pick up. You can find more info about this in the group study. But the exercise looks like this, okay? It's just an exercise that makes me think about the who and the how. And the exercise starts with who, and hopefully you and God have been chatting a little bit while I've been preaching, and so you know, who's your who? Today we're talking about family, and we're going to make three little boxes, because if you tell me I'm just going to love my whole family this week, I'm going to say, no, you're not. You're going to think warm thoughts about your whole family this week, but that's not biblical love. Biblical love is enacted love. So tell me the two or three people in your family that you are going to love this week. So maybe for me, I'm an empty nester now, and so the only person in my family who still lives with me is Betsy. So she's got to be on my list, right? Because I see her like all the time, way more often than she wishes uh, she wakes up next to me in bed. So um, there we go. So, so Betsy, she's got to be on my list. But who else is on your list? I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, I just... I just feel like God has put on my heart uh, one of my cousins. I got a cousin that, um, I, you know, I, my relationship with him is a little bit distinct, and I need to show him some love, and, and so maybe, maybe that's it. But, but who's your who? Okay, who's your who? Who are the two or three names from your family that you are like, I am uniquely positioned to love them. I can love them in a way nobody else can. Maybe you got a niece or nephew, you know. Uh, maybe you've got a covenant friend that, you know, they were your college roommate and you all just pledged to do life together and you know they need somebody who keeps those kind of promises right now because other people have abandoned them. They need to know. So who's your who? Okay. And then what's your how? And, and what we're going to do is we're just going to make a little grid here and we're going to fill in the things. So uh, I'm going to just... Uh, put some letters here. I'm not going to write the whole thing because I'll misspell them and you'll make fun of me and, and I don't want to be made fun of. Okay, so generosity, encouragement. I'll write all of mercy because it's short. Mercy, service, hospitality. So um, who's your who? And then you're just going to make this little chart and, uh, and, and then, then what's your how? Okay. And, and the way this works, the way this works is that you're just gonna, you're just gonna ask these questions. Uh, we've got some friends, they're gonna go ahead and wheel these signs out. We're gonna use these signs in just a little bit, but this way you can see them and they'll remind you these simple questions. You know, you're just gonna look, okay, so, so what, how does Betsy need me to show her love right now? How does Betsy need me to show her love? Does she need, does she need generosity? She does like presents, maybe I need to give her a present. Does she need encouragement to be built up and strengthened in, in some area of her life? Does she, need, does she need mercy? Some of you, I'll just say, you know, um, you know, I don't know who your who is, but some of you are part of a family that is split right now 
by unforgiveness, okay? I know that's true. I know that's true. Some of you are a part of a family that's split by unforgiveness. And maybe what your family needs is just an injection of mercy. Maybe you need to be the one that goes first and just says, as for me, it's over. I got no grudge left. It's all over. I, got no, I, I, ha, I don't even remember what we were fighting about. That fight's 20 years old. I'm tired of it. It's over. Maybe that's what your family needs. You know, you know, maybe, um, you know maybe, maybe my act of service needs to be uh, to make the bed. Uh, you know, for 27 years, I've been trying to explain to Betsy, you know we're going to sleep in that bed again tonight, right? And you know those eight pillows, we never use those pillows. We just put them on in the morning and take them off at night. You know this, right? And I've been explaining this to her for 27 years. Maybe I should just give up and just make it. Maybe, maybe that's what should happen. Um, maybe that's it, you know? What, what, what is this you need? Um, what's your answer? This week. And maybe if you know, like you know, you know, right here, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's just, you just know, I got to make a phone call. I got to make a phone call. You know, I got to, maybe, uh, maybe I need to invite him over for dinner. You know, you know, I'm just going to challenge you. I'm just going to challenge you in just a minute. Uh, we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to challenge you. If you know who your who is and you know what your how is, I'm going to challenge you again this week to write it up on the board. We're going to fill these boards up by the time the series is, is over. they got a backside. If they get full, we'll spin around. We'll paint who and how on the backside too, okay? In almost every letter of the Bible, in almost every letter of the Bible, there's a section that tries to teach God's people what love looks like. And every single one of them is just a list of the kind of stuff you could put in one of these boxes. Last week, a whole bunch of you came forward and you wrote down your who and you wrote down your how. And I've heard from a couple people, like I said, who said, Ethan, I, I don't think I would have done it if it hadn't been up there. I don't think I would have done it. I heard from one person who said, I actually, I didn't get mine finished last week. It didn't work out the way I thought it would, but I'm not gonna give up. I know the promise I made. That's actually, that's where I am. I know the name I wrote, and I know what I wrote over here, and it didn't work out last week, but doggone it, I'm going to try again this week. And I wrote something new up this last service for, for my family member. So every week, you're going to see these boards. And I hope every week, you're going to take seriously who your who is. And this week, I just want you to think about your family. Maybe God's Spirit has already made it clear the one you can love in a way nobody else can. And maybe God's Spirit has already made clear how you're going to go love them. Let me just pray for you right now. God, may our love not just be with thought and word, but may our love be with action. May our love be discipline. You have said that there is a firm foundation for our lives, and it's when we hear your words and put them into practice. So maybe that be true of us as a church. I pray, God, for those who have a who they need to love, that you would give them the way to do that. I pray, God, for that you would open doors and create opportunity where we don't yet see a way. 
We ask you, O God, to make this possible for us in Jesus' name. Amen.